We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. We'll be to Micah, the sixth chapter. We're going to anchor in chapter six, verse eight this morning. And we're continuing our series on This Is, and uh, today we're going to talk about This Is Grace and Mercy. This Is Grace and Mercy. Um, before I get into the message, uh, Jim will reemphasize some of this, but sometimes repetition is good. And uh, I just, there's a couple of things I want to share with you uh, concerning next week, Easter Sunday. I know that we're at beginning spring break, so we've got a lot of folks that are not here that are normally here. And so next week, uh, is Easter, and we have a normally a larger crowd uh, come to church. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are a regular attender of the church, and I know this is going to be a great sacrifice for some of you, but I would like for our regular attenders to move up and leave the back for visitors. Um, yes, I know that's hard, but, but I'm going to ask for you to move up, and I'm going to ask for you to move over. Okay, everybody say move up and move over, all right, and, and make room because we want to make room for everybody that wants to be here to be in the house of God next Sunday. Also, with parking, we're going to ask for you to, we're going to have extra parking attendance out, so please uh, help us out with that. We do have extra parking back here. We're going to try to run the van if we need to, uh, and I will say this, uh, I believe we can, we can make room for people. Uh, we've had 250 people on an Easter before, not necessarily in the sanctuary. We've had them in overflow and everywhere, but I think we can make room for that. And ultimately, that brings me to a prayer request. Um, you, a lot of people have asked me where we're at in our building program, and uh, I want to let you know we are in the process of talking to two different architectural firms right now. And uh, we are trying to get uh, the primary drawing that we all looked at, and it's been up here for a while, uh, into some workable plans. Um, there's a hefty price tag to that. But I like what one of our folks sent me, uh, said, as long as it don't cost, uh, you know, the amount of hills and cows that God has, we're okay. Because he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And so, but I do believe you have not because you ask not. So I need you to be praying specific specific because uh, the truth is in, in the planning and building stage you're looking at, at about approximately 18 months to 24 months to the moment we pull the trigger and I believe it's getting time to pull the trigger and I'm stepping out on faith and I'm asking you to step out on faith with me because I read in the Bible when we step out on faith great things happen Great things happen, and so uh, we we need the Lord's help. We're not going to do. We're going to be wise. We're going we're to sit down. We're going to count the cost. We're going to be wise, but we need some supernatural intervention for that. Because I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to declare: I believe that God wants us to walk into this place debt free. Debt free. Why? Because we need to be able to do ministry, and ministry is not a structure. That's just housing what goes on. 
Ministry is when you reach people, and I'm going to tell you, it's about souls with me. It's not about building a nice cathedral. It is about souls. I want functionality, and I want a place we can gather, and people can hear the gospel, and people can be trained and discipled and move into a strong, grown-up relationship with God. You know, we got a lot of spiritual infants still sitting on the pew 20, 30 years. They're still sitting in churches, haven't grown in the Lord because there's not been proper discipleship. Because I don't even like to say we're building a church. We're building a ministry center because I want to minister. How about you? I want us to, if you believe that today, will you give God a praise for that? I want us to minister. And if you're watching online and, and, and you, look, I don't do this very often, but we need your support. Not just watching online. We need your financial support because we want to move forward for God. This ain't about putting the pastor a brand new Mercedes in the garage. I don't believe in that. I believe that God provides my needs, but I believe that we've got a work to do for God, and I want to do it. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, the Lord gave me a very definitive dream, and I won't share all the details to you with you because we're going to get into this sermon, but he gave me a very definitive dream that, you know, when, when Spanish explorers first came to this country, they began to rebel and say, it's too hard in the new world. We want to go back. And the captain ordered that the ships be burned. I'm going to tell you, it's time to burn the ships and look forward to what God has ahead of us, church. And if you believe that, I want you to say, God, I'm going to be praying and I'm going to be seeking in behalf of that. Amen. Now let's change gears. Let's get into this is, this is grace and mercy. And this is leading us into next week's sermon on this is family. I can't wait to preach that one. But this is grace and mercy. Malachi 6 is our anchor verse. 6 verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Everybody say, do justice, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, you got to preach that. Get your preaching finger ready. I want you to look at him and say, you got to do justly. You got to do justice. You got to love mercy. Come on, tell them. And you got to walk humbly before your God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. In other words, these two verses are going to lead us into what it means uh, to talk about grace and mercy. I want to share with you over the next few moments some of the most beautiful words in the Bible, and that is grace and mercy. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that none may boast. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. In other words, grace, I deserve punishment. I deserve pain. I deserve suffering for what I have done to my God. But my God says, I love you so much, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to give you love and acceptance and mercy today. I'm going to give you forgiveness today. I'm going to wash your sins away no matter what they are. Amen. No matter what they are. Grace. Grace is God bestowing on us something we should not have received. Salvation. None of us should have been redeemed. None of us should have been forgiveness forgiven. None of us in this room have the ability to earn salvation. I don't care who you are. There's nobody, including the one preaching, that can be good enough or honorable enough or dedicated enough or tithe enough or give enough or serve enough to, to earn our salvation. It is by the grace and the gift of God this morning.
morning that you and I have been rescued of our sins this morning. Aren't you thankful for the cross this morning? Aren't you thankful for the mercy and the grace that God gave to you? Because without it, we would all be sentenced to a life of misery on earth and then ultimately eternity in a place called hell. But because of the gift of God, because of Jesus, you and I have obtained mercy and grace that we didn't deserve this morning. Oh my goodness, grace and mercy that we didn't deserve. He's bestowing something on us that we didn't have a right to receive. We don't do anything to earn it. We can't do, can't offer anything for it. And it is God inspired and God given and God gave his son. And aren't you thankful that God loved you enough to give you his only son? And he said, you know what? If you had been the only one, I would have still paid the price. If you don't believe that, flip over and read about a man named Lot. Read about his family. Read about what God did when he should have not spared the city. I, I listened to a sermon on Lot this week, and they said the problem with Lot is when the angels found Lot, he was sitting. He wasn't standing for nothing. He wasn't standing up in the midst of all the horror and all the things that were going on in those cities. The man that should have known better was sitting still. I want to tell you something, church. It is time for the church to stand up. We got hope for this world. We got a message for this world. We've got something to give to this world and that is the message that Jesus saves he delivers he sets the captive free you don't have to be a prisoner to your sins this morning you don't have to be a prisoner to your addiction this morning you can be set free your chains can be falling off of you by the grace and the mercy of God I came to preach to you this morning about the mercy and the grace of God something you didn't deserve Something I did not deserve. God gave his only son. He gave it to the ones that would spit in his face and reject him. He gave it to the ones that, that, that will never accept him as Savior. Every soul that dies and goes to hell, he still gave his son for them whether they accepted him or not. I want you to know something. That is mercy. That is grace. And if no one had accepted Jesus, he would have still gave Jesus. I want you to think about that. If the whole world had stood and said, we don't want it, he still would have sent him with the hope that one, just one, would give their life and be redeemed to the family that he, he wanted so desperately. And we're going to talk about that leading into next week. We'll get into that. There is no other word for grace but amazing. Oh, my goodness. The old song says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I want you to think about that. There is no one in this room that was born sinless. There was no one in this room that was born without sin. We're born, uh, we, 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 we've got some babies on the way. If you can't get the church to grow one way, you get it to grow another, you know. But we got some babies on the way, and I've got news for you. As sweet and innocent as those babies will be, they will be born into this world under the curse of sin. But aren't you thankful there is one who removes the curse? There is one that said, I'll become cursed so they won't have to be cursed. I will become sin that knew no sin. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? There is no other word for grace but amazing. Amazing.
It's amazing to me what he has done in my own life. It is amazing to me how he used me. It is amazing to me even after the times that I turned my back on him, he has never turned his back on me. That when I refused to love him, he still loved me. When I blamed him for everything going wrong, he still said, I love you anyway. Even though it wasn't his fault. Even though I had brought it on myself. He still loved me. I've got news for you. Quit playing the blame game this morning and realize there's one that loves you own it so it don't own you own it own your stuff amen that's good enough for you to tell your neighbor tell them say own your stuff own your wrong own your sin and then bring it to Jesus and say I don't want to own it anymore (laughs) I'm gonna give it to you I'm gonna give it to you I wonder this morning if there's anybody that's received that grace. I wonder if there's anyone sitting here this morning listening and saying, truly, when I think about what Jesus did for me and I think of where I would be without him, I realized I received what I didn't deserve. I received mercy when I should have received punishment. I received grace and acceptance when I should have received rejection. I wonder if anybody wants to praise him for that this morning. I wonder if anybody wants to give him glory in this house this morning. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Grace isn't waiting for us to get right with God. Grace is God getting us right with him. In other words, God is not waiting on you and I. He said, I can't wait on you to get perfect, so I'm going to come and I'm going to give you a way to acceptance. And all we have to do this morning is allow ourselves to be caught up in the grace of God. The next word I want to share with you that's beautiful this morning is the word mercy. God delights in mercy, mercy that is received by us and mercy that is given by us. Malachi 7, 18 says mercy is not getting what we deserve. If you understand mercy, it is almost as amazing as grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. There's the two words. There's another definition of grace and that is it is divine enablement. We're going to talk about that at the end. But again, mercy is something a little bit different. It is God saying, look, I see you, Phil, and I know what you deserve, but I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to. I'm going to have mercy. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? Have you ever had mercy on somebody? I hope you have because mercy given should be reciprocated. When God is the one who has been given much mercy should be giving much mercy. And Jesus was plain with that. He shared it in parables. He said, he, he, he talked about one man who owed a very small amount and he was forgiven of that very small amount that he could have put in, been put in prison for. And then he said that same man that was forgiven of such a small amount had a man that or a much amount or a large amount in other words he said there was a man that owed him just a little bit and instead he threw him in prison to be tortured over the small amount and he said you know what the one who had forgiven much heard of it and said that mercy you should have given more mercy so instead he enacted his rights and threw that man in prison what are you saying God is saying if we've received much mercy we should be mercy givers Amen. We should be grace givers. I wonder if you've received a lot of mercy and grace in your life, are you a mercy and grace giver? Am I a mercy and grace giver? 
Do I do what God wants me to do? Grace is something wonderful, but and and it's not getting what I it's getting what I don't deserve. That's the love and acceptance of God. But mercy is is not getting hell and punishment and death. We deserve punishment. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve separation from God. Aren't you thankful though? We don't deserve to be healed in our bodies or our souls or our minds. We don't deserve. We deserve to be walking around wounded and hurt in our transgressions. We deserve going crazy with our thoughts. We deserve uh, depression. We deserve anxiety. We deserve all the horrors. You know, the world will tell you, you don't deserve that. Act like you don't. You deserve it. I'm going to tell you. Look at somebody and say, you do. I'm going to get a little arrogant with them and say, you deserve everything coming to you. Now look at them and say, but you didn't get it because of God. Oh, my goodness. Because of his mercy and grace, I didn't get it. Oh, my goodness, he loved me while I was yet a sinner. We deserve separation from him. We don't deserve reconnection to God, but God could not bear the thought of heaven without you. Oh, my goodness. He could not bear the thought of heaven without you. And so he made a way for us to be healed, not just by his stripes for physical healing or emotional healing, but he gave us those stripes for our physical healing but the bible says by his wounds and by his his nail printed hands when he was pierced for us he we found forgiveness in him this wednesday night we will be having a corporate communion service that is not lay out of church wednesday it's a shame when we are afraid to participate in that and i'm going to tell you this house should be filled wednesday night this is this is what's considered holy week because different churches celebrate in different ways, but I can think of no greater way for us to, to remember what this week is about than to have communion on Wednesday night. And so we're going to meet in here, and we're going to worship a little bit, and then we're going to do a communion time. And we're going we're gonna to allow God to do some amazing things. You know, I've seen God do, uh, do works through. Don't let that become a ceremony to you. We have made it too ceremonial in the body of Christ. We've made it too ritualistic in the body of Christ. No, communion is about intimacy with God, and it is about me remembering that it is because of the gift of Jesus I have received mercy and grace in my life. Because of that gift, mercy rewrote my life. How about you? Mercy rewrote my life. My story is, uh, is yet to be completed because God is rewriting my life. When I came to the cross, when you came to the cross, guess what? A new chapter began and you say, oh, I'm no longer who I was. You say, no, a new book began. No, a new chapter began because it is what I walked through before I got to the cross that makes me who I am today. Uh, I, if I didn't know what I had done prior to it, I would not thank God for what he has done in my life. Amen. And if you believe that you should just dismiss that, then you got to dismiss all of Paul's testimony, all of Peter's testimony. What makes Peter's life awesome to me is what took place when he denied him three times. What makes his life awesome to me is the fact that he rejected Christ three times and said he didn't know him, even used curse words to deny his name. But then you see him standing up on the day of Pentecost declaring, men and brethren, hearken to me and hear my words. This same Jesus whom you crucified, he is risen and he has been raised and he is now both Lord and Christ. And such a powerful anointing flowed from this man because of the mercy and the grace that he received. 
received, that 3,000 were saved that day. I'm going to tell you right now, God is ready for revival to fill the land, but it's going to come when we take our testimony of mercy and grace and say, this is what I was, but let me tell you who I am. Good gracious. God rewrites your story through your sin. Though your sin be as scarlet, they're as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be washed as wool. God's saying, I'm cleansing, and I cleanse for a purpose. And that is not that you might receive glory, not that people think about how holy you are, but that they might see that if God can do that in Phil, he can do that in anybody. And I'm going to tell you, if he can save me, he can save anybody in this room. Oh, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did last night. Don't really care because I'm telling you, God loves you, and he's ready to forgive you, and he's ready to give you mercy and grace this morning. Don't care what you've done. Forgiveness is an amazing thing. Galatians 1, 14, even the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is, is, is God forgetting something that he could remember. God forgives us, and then he forgets our sins. We do not hold that ability as human beings. We don't. Somebody does us wrong, we remember it. We do. All right? You say, well, I forgive it. You can forgive it, but you, you say, I forgive it and forget it. No, you didn't. You'll remember it. And you may frame it in the right way of I, I've let that go. I've forgiven them. Uh, but you're going to remember when you hurt. I can tell you now. If a dog bites you, you're going to remember where that dog lives. Amen? And I may just avoid that house so I can not get bit. God is a God that forgives. But amazingly, he forgets. Well, if we can't do it, then how can he do it? Because he's God and you're not. He's God and I'm not. I'm going to give you something one of my professors in college used to say all the time, and I thought it was awesome. He said, there is a God and there is a throne. Jesus sits on that throne, and you don't and I don't, and aren't you thankful for that? If you were God, how would you react to some people in your life that hurt you? Amen? Oh, yeah. Me too. But aren't you thankful you're not? But since we have received this grace and mercy, shouldn't we also find the ability to do the same? Our sins are blotted out. Our sins are forgiven to be remembered no more. The psalmist wrote it this way. He says, he removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. Paul writes in Romans 8 and 1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I think we forget so easily that Paul was once Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was not a very likable guy. Saul of Tarsus was a religious zealot who persecuted the church, who who brought it chains women and possibly even children and men before the Sanhedrin to be judged, tried, put in prison, stoned to death. Paul was a ruthless man because he thought that he was walking in what was right. But he says in, 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 in Romans 8 and 1, there's now, there is now therefore no condemnation. But to understand what he's saying, you need to read what he wrote in Romans 6 and Romans 7 because in Romans 6 and 7, he is laying out his entire 
our life for the whole world to see. And he's saying, listen, the good that I want to do, I find myself not doing it. Anybody relate to that? Anybody want to do good this week and didn't do it? Anybody wanted to eat right this week and you didn't? All right. He said, that good that I would do, that righteousness that I would do, I, don't, I find myself not doing it. He said, but the evil that I would shun, the evil that I wouldn't do, the wrong that I would avoid, he said, I find myself doing it. Then he writes these words, oh, wretched man that I am. Who can escape? Who can escape this flesh? He's, he's being real with us, church. It's time the church get real too. If Paul can be real, can we not be? How many of you have ever looked in the mirror and you said, how can I escape being this person? I don't want to be this transgressor. I don't want to be this enemy of God. I don't want to be in this sinful life. I want to be free. Anybody ever do that? Struggle's real. I don't want to be judgmental of others. I don't want to gossip. I don't want, name it, fill in the blank. I don't want to tell lies. I want to be more truthful. I want to be the man of God that I know I ought to be. I want to be the woman of God that I know I ought to be. But I just can't seem to do it, oh, wretched man that I am. Do you hear the anguish in Paul's voice? Romans 6 and 7. But actually, before he says There is now, there's one word that I am so thankful for in the Bible. But. He stops and he pauses, Nancy. He says, but now there is therefore no condemnation. (laughs) there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ I'm set free my accusers have no case oh my goodness do you hear me this morning you can have people throwing accusations about who you used to be but once you come to the cross they got no case They got no case. I don't think he'll mind. Jim, are you a meth addict anymore? Really? Can I refer to you as meth addict? Why not? Don't you feel guilt over that? Don't you feel condemnation over that? You should. Why not? Why don't you feel it? What gives you the right to be free? (laughs) The man in the middle. Aren't you thankful for Jesus this morning? I am free not because of me, but because of him. Somebody praise God in this house. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what, let's give Jesus a standing ovation. Can we do that? Jump to your feet. Praise the Lord this morning.
Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. For who the Son has set free, good gracious, get a hold of it, is free. Oh my goodness. Declare your freedom. Declare your freedom. I'm not free because the preacher says so. I'm not free because anybody else says so. I'm free because Jesus set me free. And you label me anything you want because it won't stick anymore. Because the blood, oh my goodness, keeps those titles from sticking. Sinner, liar, adulterer, homosexual, labels, 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 labels. I got news for you. You can peel back the back of my soul and it says Christ bought, price purchased, blood bought, sanctified, spirit filled. I belong to him. I want you to know if somebody looks at the label of your soul, what do they see this morning? What do you see? Just stay standing because believe it or not, I'm having mercy today. <laughs> if you sit down, I'll keep going. This brings about redemption. Somebody said that's the same as salvation. No, salvation is where my sins are washed away. Redemption is a process. Psalms 103 and 4 says, who redeems our lives from destruction. Getting something back that was taken away. How many of you today would say, because of Jesus, I got my life back? Yes. <sighs> something that was stolen, something that was taken, and sometimes something I gave away. I got it back because of Jesus. The devil stole everything away from, from the man in the garden. We were lost. We were separated from God. We had lost all value to ourselves. But through Christ redeeming us, he brought us out of slavery. He placed value back on our lives. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so this morning. Well, three of us do. If you redeemed, I want you to say so this morning. Come on, come on. Say so this morning. You just trying to stir up something guilty. You need to get stirred up. You need to get stirred up so the devil quits stirring you up. Some of y'all stirred up with problems. You stirred up with situations at work. Stirred up with situations with your kids or with your spouses. Stirred up with this. Stirred up with that. All the time burdened down. All the time something going on. All the time a tug of war for your thoughts. I got news for you this morning. Instead of stirring that up, do what Paul told Timothy. Stir up the gift of God that is within you. Stir it up. I can't stand it when you look at me with my glasses on or off. I don't know who you are. <laughs> he brought us out of slavery, placed value on us. He redeemed us through the blood of Jesus. We have our place back with God because of grace and mercy. Let us boldly approach the throne this morning. Don't let us cower to the cross. Oh, my goodness. You see, the cross is... is 
behind me now. I, I experienced the cross a long time ago. That's behind me. You say, I thought you said you have to go back to it. I do from time to time. But I don't anchor myself there anymore. Because, you see, once I have been forgiven, I'm pursuing something greater than the cross. The cross, I'm going after the life that he has for me to be the best witness I can be for him for the rest of my days. And some of us, we just constantly, I got to stay there. Well, that's true. You need the cross. But then in Hebrews, we're challenged to go before the throne of grace. And some of us, we go before the throne of grace crawling on our hands and knees. That's not what the author of Hebrews said. These words in the original language, they betray this kind of boldness. Walking in the place like you own it. Walking in the place like you own it. Do you go in your house going, can I sit there? You may have that kind of wife, I don't know. So saying. If you do, we got to talk. Got to pray. No. <laughs> Sorry. I don't go in my house and say, is it all right for me to be here? Let me go a step further. My mom and dad live over north of Chatsworth, and I don't walk in their house going, is it okay if I visit? What are you talking about? That's my father's house. Amen. Hmm. Some of y'all don't get that. <laughs> That's my father's house. I walk in there like I own it. I got refrigerator rights. I don't say, can I go get some? I go get it. Anybody else? Why do we walk to our Heavenly Father's throne like we don't belong there? I don't belong there if I've not been washed in the blood. But once I've been washed in the blood, I'm going to tell you, when I pray, I don't come crawling. I come walking in saying, hey, Kay, all right, Father, me and you got to talk. And you know what he says? Pull up a chair, son. Oh, I don't, I don't view God that way. That's disrespectful. No, it's not. That's understanding relationship. Do I respect him? I still know who he is. Do I know who owns the house? Absolutely. Over in Chatsworth, I know who owns the house. My mama and my daddy own the house. I respect that. But I got news for you. As a son, I have rights that they have given to me. I got a key to the house. I know the garage code. I can get in the house anytime I want to get in the house. And I got news for you on an old rugged cross. Jesus died an agonizing death. But the Bible says, I believe he took back the keys, oh my goodness, to death, hell, and the grave. You got a key to the Father's house.
walk boldly before him. That's not disrespectful. That's knowing that he redeemed me to that place. There is grace, there is mercy, and there is forgiveness in this room today. There is redemption in this room today. Let God give you all these through his precious blood. Let God do a work in you that only he can do. I'm going to give us an old-fashioned altar call, but I don't want your head bowed and I don't want your eye closed, but I'm going to give an old-fashioned altar call this morning. Does anybody need a clean slate? Is anybody looking for a fresh start? Is anybody wanting a new chapter written in their life? Maybe you've been serving the Lord, but up until this point, you've been stuck, and we talked about this earlier on. Most Christians are stuck in the sinner sank cycle. I'm a sinner. I go to the cross. I go back sinning. I go back to the cross. I go back sinning. I go back to the cross, and I'm stuck there, constantly repeating that same old lifestyle because I just can't seem to break free. And God is calling you to be a saint soldier. We want revival. We want to see a move of God. We want to see outpourings and blessings and miracles and wonders and all those things the Bible promises us we would see. We're never going to see it caught in the saint center cycle. We're not going to see it looking at ourselves in the mirror as a sinner saved by grace. Well, we all are. That's a fact. But somewhere I need to be looking at myself with some boldness saying, wait a minute, you son of the living God, you daughter of the king, you don't have to put up with what the devil's dishing out. I share this phrase a lot. Garth Brooks says he's got friends in low places. I got friends in high places. Some of us, we're still in the low places and we need to realize who we are in Christ. Some of us, we're uncomfortable with the identity of son. We're uncomfortable with the identity of daughter because we don't think we deserve it. I want to fix something right now in your minds. You don't. Because grace is me getting something I didn't deserve. I did not deserve to be called son. You did not deserve to be called daughters. But because of him, we become what? The sons and daughters of God. That's what the Bible says, not what Pastor Phil says. But yet we don't want to hold on to that. We want to stay right here constantly trapped in anguish, trapped in misery. Because it's miserable. Anybody else testify it's miserable being in the center saint cycle? It's miserable. I'm offering you something better today. I'm offering you to come boldly before the throne of grace. And what does the Bible say when I come boldly before the throne of grace? I will obtain grace and mercy. There's grace and mercy in the room. Who wants it? Who really needs it in their life? Who needs a new chapter? Who wants a fresh start? 
I'm telling you, God's ready to give it to you this morning. And you're saying, I I don't know about going down there with everybody. I got news for you. Everybody else is worried about their own selves in this room. I want you to take the hand of somebody if you need that this morning. And I just want you to squeeze it a little bit and say, well, you go with me. I need a little boldness. I need a little boldness this morning. And if you're a king's kid, then I want you to come with boldness. If you need something from God, I want you to come. Don't, don't cower, come with boldness this morning and say, hey, here I am, son. Here I am, daughter, and I want what you have for me, God. Father, I'm in the house, not because of any other reason, but I got the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and they were given to me by your only son. If that's you, I want you to start coming right now. There's somebody in this room, you need to make a move. God's ready to do a work in your life. We're going to end today with baptism. We're going to end it with baptism. I think it'd be great for some of us to make a start right now by saying, I need something from God, and I am so sick of the misery. I am so sick of this cycle that I've been living in. I'm ready for freedom. I'm ready to be free. I'm ready to stay free. I'm ready for God to do a work in my life. I'm going to ask our intercessors to come and start helping some of these pray. There's some others that need to make that move right now. Come on, make your move. Make your move. Don't wait on somebody else. Don't say, well, I'll do it later. Now's the time. Now's the time to come boldly before the throne of grace. Now's the time to come and seek the Lord. Now's the time. Don't wait on somebody else. God's dealing with somebody's heart in this room, and you're needing to make a move. Will you make that move now? Will you make that move now? Will you step out by faith right now in this house and let God do a work in your life? God's ready to do something in you right now if you'll let him. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to make that move. Will you come? There are some others. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.